Hey, welcome back to the show. This is Late Night Cage Fight. I'm Cage Fighter Reese. I'm here with Cage Fighter Matt, Cage Fighter Steve, Cage Fighter Sean. We're talking about two Nicolas Cage movies that we love so much, and we just want to talk about them with you. We're talking about Honeymoon in Vegas tonight and Anus and Andrew. <laughs> like a butt. Yeah. It's a, it's a very strange name for a film, but uh, Samuel L. Jackson was in it, so gotta watch it. Well, and Nick Cage. Of course, Nick Cage. You know, we're late night cage fight. We're, we're a Nicolas Cage podcast. We've watched a lot of Nicolas Cage movies. We're going to watch a lot more. But this is the last episode in our second season. Our next episode is going to be the premiere, and we're going to have a best of the season film. Can you believe it, guys? I can't. Last season, the winner was Birdie. Excellent animal nature lover movie. I cannot talk about Birdie enough. Yeah. But today, we're going to talk about Honeymoon in Vegas and Amos and Andrew. Wonderful films. Uh, But first, Steve and Sean, why don't you give us some Nick Cage news? So some news broke recently on uh, Nicolas Cage's biopic, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Um, It just came out that it officially is going to be pushed back to 2021. Oh, more like The Unbearable Weight. Mm. Jeez. Have you guys actually heard the synopsis of this movie? I did I way love- back in the day, but it may have changed since then. Because I'm I'm not 100% sure that it's a biopic anymore. It seems like it's almost like a self-aware uh-huh. comedy that just happens mm-hmm. to be about Cage. So Starring uh, Cage, the, right? Yeah. Well, he's playing himself. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so facing a considerable amount of debt, the fictionalized Cage accepts a $1 million offer to accept a superfan's birthday, which that superfan, by the way, is... Uh, Seth Rogen. <laughs> close. <laughs> Just close. a guess. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, the Mandalorian himself, uh, Pedro Pascal. Oh, oh dude, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, he goes, bro. Narcos. Yeah, and Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah he just uh, he just signed on. Yeah, he's he's gonna be playing a super fan that mm. just happens to be a Mexican uh, cartel member. Of course. Uh, and then things take a turn for the worse, and Cage must channel his former on-screen characters in order to save himself and his teenage daughter. That's insane. I, I don't know what's kidding? more amazing, the the synopsis or the fact that Cage agreed to do this. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, this is isn't this in a way isn't isn't this like confirming that uh, some of his roles were not so great? It's all come full circle. It's the circle of life. A, the Lion King, the Tiger King. Maybe it's the best thing about him. <laughs> Speaking of Nick Cage and, and fantastic roles, um, mm-hmm. actually today uh, was announced that uh, in the Amazon adaptation of the uh, Ewan, I don't know how to pronounce this, Ewan Culfer book, High Fire, oh. Nick's going to voice the drunk dragon. <laughs> Is it is is this a live action show? Um, I don't I don't know. I this is the first I've heard of it. Um, Sounds like a cartoon to me. It's like I, yeah, I think it is. That's what yeah, I thought. Cartoon. They they can't get Sean Connery for Dragonheart Six, or whatever. <laughs> we got to get. You know what? Cage. You laugh, but I, I I have seen that movie like at least a hundred times. The first one. So high high fire is a story <laughs> set in a world where dragons once ruled the earth, Lord. High fire ruled the dragons. Now, <laughs> however, all high fire rules is his shack in a honey island swamp in Louisiana. And he goes by the name Vern and spends his days hanging out among the alligators, watching cable TV, getting high, drinking insane amounts of vodka. Yeah. God, we gotta write a script, fellas. We may be able to pitch <laughs> it and get it greenlit. Yeah, yeah, and get Nick the star. And yeah, Netflix will take anyone. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for Maybe. calling Netflix. Where you're greenlit. There's so much <laughs> shit on there. Oh, oh yeah, it's awful. It's almost like they need us. It could <laughs> be. Hey, we got word processors. Let's get to it. <laughs> uh-huh. I got Apple Pages. You look. You don't even have to type anymore. You can just use your dictation and <laughs> talk to your computer. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can. I guess if you want. I haven't tried I don't know it. Why you would. That's kind of sure. terrifying. Um, is there any more Nick Cage news, fellas? Actually, I think we're we're forgetting the most important piece of news that goes back to one of the movies that we've already reviewed. Oh yeah. So, Valley Girl. Kate, not quite. <laughs> uh, it, it it may include a certain uh. I'll say Canadian uh, singer? Question mark? Oh. We'll, we'll say she's Canadian. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, Cage's 1987 film Moonstruck is officially being inducted into the Criterion Collection this November with a brand new Blu-ray release. Oh, my uh, gosh. Unfortunately, there will be no uh, new commentary by Cage, but uh, many of the mm-hmm. cast that was involved with the movie will be in will be involved. Uh, yeah, wow. no word yet on Vampire's Kiss, but <laughs> hopefully that will be next. Oh, that's that's great news! I did see that headline some time ago. Yeah, congratulations! Just getting into the Criterion Collection has got to be. What an achievement. Fantastic. Cher, you should be proud. That's great news. Anything else? Guys, how have we not watched the Valley Girl remake yet with Logan Paul? Uh, I really don't like Logan Paul. I don't so. either, but... I've uh, I've read reviews. 
That's kind of yeah, enough. I've, I've, I've heard it hasn't been great. Yeah, yeah. I'm really upset that Logan Paul is from Alive. the city that's like right, yes, but also <laughs> is from the city that's like right next to mine. I'm also kind of embarrassed to be very close to the city where Logan Paul put uh, dead fish on taxi drivers' cars. Oh my god, that video pissed me off so much. Yeah. That whole, that whole, I was there. I was there within like a couple days of him being there. Yeah, that's right. We just missed him. We could have totally changed the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Wow. Totally. But then, but anyway, what Logan Paul roles would you like to see Nick Cage improve? Uh, email us at uh, late night cage fight at, at mm-hmm. gmail.com. That is valid, right? That I, is valid. Probably. Okay. Just want to make sure before we go into the sponsors. Mm-hmm. Mm. Even though some of these sponsors are real, right? We have some sponsors tonight, fellas. We do have some sponsors. Well, tell us about it. I need to know. So uh, this episode of Late Night Cage Fight is brought to you by Henny Plus Roo. Keep the chickens happy with a monthly subscription box that's designed exactly for backyard coop keepers. Mm. Each box is guaranteed to bring a little bit of foul play as contents have been specifically curated with the flock in mind. Get an, get an interesting mix of high-quality chicken-tending supplies, mm-hmm. like vitamins and treats for the hens, yeah. along with uh, a few practical gift items and some chicken-loving swag in each excellent delivery. <laughs> Wow. We're also we're also brought to you by Capcom versus C-SPAN uh, from the makers of Mega Man and the Green New Deal comes uh, <laughs> the newest fighting game uh, coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Excellent. Uh, Switch release. I'm pumped. It, it this release. Features 64 of your favorite Capcom characters and Mm -hmm. United States elected officials. Uh, Will your favorite congressman make the cut? Pre-order now Mm -hmm. for the new Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer Black Lives Matter and Joe Biden Antifa.com t-shirt costumes. Yeah. Exclusive. And you get a a special uh, protesters DLC armband if you pre-order from Babbage's. Yes. And if you use the promo code late night cage fight, you'll get the uh, Ivanka DLC. Oh, hot. You know, uh, you know, we we got some some hot leaks from the RNC this this uh, week. Uh, yeah. Jeb Bush was officially oh. confirmed to be on the roster. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. This game's going to be a hit. I also yeah, want to. I also and I also want to mention um, we're sponsored by Chinese Seeds as well. So if you receive any of those in the mail, that's us. Well, we're supported by them. Not to be confused with uh, Steve's Seed. No, that that was a failed venture pretty early on, right? Yeah. 
All right. Is that it for the news and sponsorships and all that good stuff? Are we free to actually have a conversation now or are we still beholden to the legal mumbo jumbo? Uh, well, we do have one more sponsor, uh, Bigfoot uh, Dating Simulator. One of the more common vocalizations is often described as a high-pitched scream like a woman being murdered in the woods. Um, sometimes they're long and drawn out. Sometimes they're short like this. <laughs> Uh, ever want to date uh, a Bigfoot? Now's your chance, thanks yeah. to the the brand new visual novel by DigiRabbit. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he's got big feet, so he's got to have big... Uh, I'll let you figure that out. Uh, yeah. Now available on itch.io for Windows mm -hmm. computing machines. I heard that one's a dark web hit. So yes. you dark web users, just just uh, look it up. You'll find just it. Tor, Tor.onion. Tore the tits uh, out of it. Yes. T Great. T-O-R. T-O-R. Yeah. Wow. We are going to get our asses hacked with that. Perfect. I guess you know what that means. What's coming up next, guys? We're talking about Honeymoon in Vegas, and this is The Nick List. Nick Cage won't promise his mom on her deathbed that he'll never get married. The shock of his refusal kills her, and it's hilarious. Say I promise. I promise. That you'll always love me. Of course, Mom. And you'll never get married. Mom, that's a huge thing to ask. Mom. Mom! 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 Mom, come back! Nick Cage tells his girlfriend he dreams of his mom naked often. Do I really have to finish this movie? That's what I was thinking with that line. <laughs> um, Nick Cage somehow gets the best deal on a hotel suite in Vegas. $120 a night for that view in that room is just unbelievable. That's my bargain boy right there. Nick Cage decides to do some gambling at the hotel before getting married. He loses to a notorious card shark to the tune of $65,000. But damn, that Alibaba suite, that was a bargain, am I right? Nick Cage. Nick Cage goes to Elvis Con. Nick Cage has just whored out his fiance to settle a $65,000 debt with Tommy Corman. Now he's alone again. What's a guy gonna do? He keeps gambling. Let's just keep this thing going, yeah? Maybe next I can whore out my dead mom. You brought me to Las Vegas and you turned me into a whore, Jack! Let's just forget about this, all right? Uh, Nick Cage, the other thing is he meets Ben Stein at the airport. I remember that. That was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Honeymoon in Vegas. So, Steve, that means it's time for your character comparisons. So, um, let's see. For We have pretty good character sets for uh, Honeymoon in Vegas. Do we? You know, we had, uh, yeah, we had Nick Cage as uh, Jason Siegel. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. Along with his wife, uh, pretty woman. Okay. Um, are, are you and then, Julia Roberts? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's fucking. It's it, it, it Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Th this is. Yeah. Uh, don't ask Matt. This is just Steve's <laughs> mind. Yeah. <laughs> um. Of course, you know he's uh, indebted to. Uh, 
Buddy's dad, Tommy. You know, Buddy the Elf. Buddy the Elf? Yeah, from Elf. That's uh, Oh, okay. That's Buddy's dad. All right. Jewish, so Yeah, yeah. And along with his handyman, Ron Jeremy. <laughs> okay, yeah. And uh the the last one I've got here is uh the uh, escort that helped Nick out while he was down in uh, Hawaii, uh, Mr. Miyagi, the cab driver. Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. I, I get it because he's um, small and Asian and has an accent. No, because he actually played Mr. Miyagi. I thought... Ma- Mahi Mahi? Yeah, that was, uh, that was Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi's dead, man. Yeah, he is now. <laughs> Wait, that was actually him? Yeah, that was actually him. <laughs> it didn't look really? like him. I know. That was him. Wow, you kind of blew yep. my mind there. Yep. I don't know why I said he's dead. <laughs> he would still be alive <laughs> for the <laughs> movie, movie in the, in the 90s. I mean, he was, you know what it is? I just, <laughs> I recently watched Three Ninjas. I started watching it with my kids because I thought, oh, well, this movie's kind of, you know, it's it's amusing. We'll watch it. It, mm-hmm. it turns out it's I think it's not really good for kids to watch that at all. Uh, but Mr. Miyagi is in it and he, he's just he's heavier and older looking. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You got me with that one, Steve. I yeah. totally didn't believe you. <laughs> yeah, I, I spent a lot of the movie trying to trying to think of who it was that mm-hmm. uh, Pat Morita. That the 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 gambler, the loan shark, whatever the hell he was, the gambler dude. Oh yeah, Tommy, who he reminded me of, and yeah, it, it finally dawned on me near mm-hmm. the end of the movie that that was uh, was Buddy the Elf's dad, Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell's dad. Yeah. Let's talk about Honeymoon in Vegas, 1992 comedy film starring James Caan, Nicolas Cage, and Sarah Jessica Parker. Let's see, what, where, where do we start? It, it starts out with uh, Nicolas Cage plays a private eye, Jack Singer. Uh, it's, it's obvious, it's kind of like a monologue at the beginning where, where we learn about his problems with, is it finding love? Or should we just start with the fact that his mom is dying? That's why he uh, refuses to get married. Right. Because his... Mom, before before she passed, mm-hmm. made him promise that he wouldn't get married. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So for the rest of his life, I don't I don't know what this span of time is exactly, but Nick Cage has this uh, this this repulsion to the idea of marriage, but he also has this longtime girlfriend Betsy, played by Sarah Jessica Parker who desperately wants to get married. She's a teacher, an elementary school teacher. She loves kids. She wants to start a family. And she pretty much has the, um, you know, the generic traditional idea of settling down, getting married, having kids, starting a family. And she expects Jack to, to do that. And... But she's been dealing with this part of him that's reluctant to get married because of his mom. And they they even mention Freud a few times because he says that he has these dreams about his his naked mom. Uh, You know, not it's kind of like a curse preventing him from getting married or or even um, 
allowing himself to to accept the idea. So yeah, he's just for a long time he's refused to get married, and finally she convinces him to just just do it, man. And what better way to do it than to go to Las Vegas and have a shotgun wedding, as they call it. And that's how this movie opens. Um, a, a good portion of the film takes place in Bally's Casino Resort. And <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the day, their wedding day, I guess they're scheduled to get married that evening. And uh, But first, well, we got to mention Tommy Corman... The card shark, played by James Caan, he notices the couple. He sees Nick Cage and Sarah Jessica Parker, and he's just like, whoa, Sarah Jessica Parker looks just like my ex-wife, who was smoking hot and uh, got smoked by the sun. Apparently, she uh, liked to sunbathe a little too much and got melanoma and died. And it's kind of weird how that's brought up a couple times in the movie. It's because it's kind of the first time you hear about it, it's kind of funny. It's supposed to be, you know, like darkly funny. And then when it's brought up later, it's more serious. So it's, I don't know how to feel about that. But anyway, his ex-wife is dead and Sarah Jessica Parker... Um, her character Betsy bears a striking resemblance to Tommy Corman's ex-wife. And this guy is, you know, he's like a billionaire, I guess, extremely wealthy. And uh, he is interested in in her uh, quite heavily to the point where he devises this scheme to reel Nicolas Cage into a gambling game, a poker game. And uh, he, he does it by sending him this letter under the door of their hotel room, their suite, and in- inviting him to play, I guess, on behalf of the hotel. It was some kind of, he said that it was like an invitation from the hotel to come play. And he agrees to do it. This is uh, this is their wedding day, mind you. There's uh, Jack and Betsy are supposed to be married that evening. But Jack tells Betsy, just go to the pool and kind of uh, hang out with all the other um sexy people who are going to be uh, ogling you in a bikini or whatever. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go play a poker game. And he does. And he totally gets, he totally gets suckered into it. And uh, yeah, Tommy Corman um, beats him by $65,000. And then. No big deal. Yeah. It's, uh, you know. And he says, you know, uh, one way you can pay me back is just let me spend the weekend with your fiance, with Betsy. And uh, yeah, I, I, I felt like the reaction to that was pretty natural. I mean, I can't imagine being in that situation where you got to pay this money back and you don't quite know who this guy is, but you're getting the... You're quickly getting the sense that this is not somebody you want to mess with. But at the same time, you know, like whoring out your girlfriend or your wife or something like that, that is just such a ugh, uncomfortable idea, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just, for most people, some people are into that. That's cool. But if you're not into that, that's that's rough. That's rough, man. So, I remember another movie or or TV show though. I remember that on that gimmick on another mm-hmm. show. You know, it, rem- it reminded me. The- it reminded me of. A, it's totally not what you're thinking of, but Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. 
has a similar Hello. premise when Dracula sees, um, you know, English yeah. English dude's wife and was like, oh, that was, she, look, she looks just like my wife from forever ago. I'm going to go to the city and kill all of her friends and turn them into vampires. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, slightly similar, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, so they don't get married that night. It's pretty safe to say. Uh, Jack has to break the news to Betsy. Sorry, honey. Um, you're going to have to spend the weekend with this stranger and uh, hope that he doesn't rape you. <laughs> and then that's kind of the impression she has. She's because they, there was a conversation that between Tommy and Jack that um, he wouldn't try to have sex with her. But still, I mean, who knows what can happen, right? And she is totally against the idea, but she loves Jack and $65,000 is a lot of money that, that you're not going to get overnight. So they agree to it and there's this whole just drawn out kind of cat and mouse game where Tommy's kind of pushing the rules in taking her away from Vegas. There's a whole um, sequence that's in Hawaii, one of his homes. And Jack chases him there, and then it ends up back in Vegas. And throughout the course of this whole thing, she starts to be swayed in favor of Tommy Corman. Um, but that's not without some manipulation by him. And, and I thought that, that that writing was pretty good because there was a moment where I th you, start to th you start to empathize with with uh, Tommy and start to believe him yourself, but then it's revealed that um, no, he's actually not a good guy at all, and he does not have good intentions. And he's trying to break off the engagement between Betsy and Jack and get her to marry him. And the movie is basically Jack trying to prevent that from happening. So it's cat and mouse. Hawaii back to Vegas. We have this amazing ending. <laughs> this this scene, which uh yeah, I guess I should just spoil it now if you've made it this far. Um they're in Vegas, so we got a lot of Elvis impersonators, as we all know. And there's an, a skydiving team called the Flying Elvises. And uh, this is Jack's only <laughs> way to get back to the resort where Betsy is you know, uh, under Tommy's close eye, of course. And he actually skydives in an Elvis suit costume with all of these other Elvis impersonators and uh, lands right there where, um, where Betsy is. And she's actually also, she's escaped from Tommy and gone incognito as one of the dancers. So it just creates this really unique, this this interesting image of a Elvis impersonator, you know, falling in love with one of the dancers, kind of thing. It it was, it was pretty cool. It was different. I liked that part of it. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, gimmicky and totally ridiculous, but uh, it was a nice way to end this kind of movie. I thought. You know what's kind of, uh, 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 kind of funny about the way this movie ended is that. That in real life, Nicolas Cage actually went on to marry Lisa Marie Presley. 
Oh, that's right. <clears throat> yeah. Time, yeah. Yeah, I've Did always had I, I've always had the thought that Nick Cage has this kind of Elvis Elvis um fascination. That's a fact. It's a confirmed fact. Oh, is it? Yeah, I probably knew then. I just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick Cage has always had this Elvis fascination. And he got to live it in Honeymoon in Vegas. But that's it. It's kind of yeah, it's a romantic comedy. You know, it, it balances these these silly kind of cartoonish moments with these more uh, serious, uncomfortable ones. Uh, but I felt that uh, a lot of the actors were solid, and for what it was trying to do, uh, it's it's a good enough movie. I felt that it was, uh, yeah, it, it accomplished what it set out to do. And um, yeah, what do you guys? And is there anything else you is there anything you guys want to add to the synopsis of the movie? That he's a a PI. Yeah, he's he's a he's a private eye, and that's that's one of the things about this movie is he doesn't want to get married because his clientele consists of people who are cheated on, married people in unhappy marriages, who come to him to uh, you know sniff out what their significant others is up to. And uh, that's one of the arguments of this movie is marriage equals an unhappy life. And that's how, uh, yeah. By the end of the movie, he has changed his mind, or I guess he's come to terms with uh, his deceased mother's opinion. Figured it out. Yeah. Always remember to have good words come out of your mouth. So I wanted to ask you guys: Has either, has any of you ever been to Vegas? No. No. <clears throat> Me neither. I have not. I just read really sad news. What did you read? Uh, Chadwick Boseman actually just passed away. Oh, Black Panther. Oh, what? Uh. I he had colon cancer. No way. Wow. He was only 43. Dude, that is bad That's, news. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even know. I didn't even know he had cancer. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's... uh. It's an unfortunate thing to discover while uh, recording a comedy podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You fix it in post. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, so, so what do we know about Honeymoon in Vegas? Was it a hit? Did people like it? <sighs> kind of mixed. Yeah. I just mean uh, when it came out especially yeah that's that's what i'm talking about oh okay most most people uh i looked at a few reviews mm -hmm. earlier and um most people thought that it was trying to be uh, really sad oh really drama 
type of movie, like a over sappy in a way, almost like soap opera style. Yeah. But it should have been just a zany comedy. I don't know. I felt like it was more zany than... There are some reviews like that, though. Okay. Like Rod, Roger Ebert. Yeah. Who said the, the the plot is dumb enough to be a sitcom, <laughs> but Bergman isn't dumb enough to make it one. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's kind of a compliment. Sure. It's <laughs> kind of like a backhanded one, in yeah. a way. You know? Right. But, you know... It's not a bad review. The sixty-three percent on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Yeah, and that's terrible. Right. But um, in spite of that, this is uh, this is one of those movies uh, where Nicolas Cage is just in this spirit that I just started loving. Just he just over the top and yeah, actually, it kind of reminded me of his role in Vampire's Kiss, the, yeah. the frantic, you know, mm-hmm. trying to find something. The yeah, I guess just the the frantic nature of the role, and uh, also his makeup. There was there's a stark difference in his makeup between um, Honeymoon in Vegas and Amos and Andrew. Mm-hmm. I, I've, he's definitely a lot cleaner looking in this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. There was something about the way he approached this role, and the funny thing is, too, I could have seen him in the other role too. They would have had to rewrite some of it, but I could see him as Tommy Corman as well. Yeah, wanting to play that role, like a like a different face off. <laughs> A different face-off? Yeah, but he's just both of them. <laughs> okay. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if that's what you meant. <laughs> yeah. It's be... called face-on. Yeah. Face-on. <laughs> I want to keep my face on. I want to keep my face on. Wow. Well, that's... They have some serious technology in Vegas. You you can get more than a facelift, apparently. You can get your face swapped. Or you can leave it on. The choice is yours. I feel like a lot of the issues in the movie, they would have been solved today if people just had cell phones. Because that's yep. that's the whole thing, is they he can't get in touch with his fiance. And she can't get in contact with him after they've made this scary agreement. And, yeah, it just wouldn't work today because of cell phones. Just tweet at her. Mm-hmm. Just send her a TikTok. Yeah, do it. And, like, also, why didn't you guys just run away? Get out of there. Yeah, I think that that's a possibility. But maybe it was smart that they didn't. Who knows? Who knows what Tommy would have done? It may have been a, a darker movie. There, there's a yeah. There's a number of ways this movie could have gone dark. I'm glad oh, it yeah. didn't. But in a you know a real world situation, that was one kind of realization I had was uh, with both of these movies. Um, it kind of makes light of 
serious situations that actually happen. Yeah. That can yeah. happen. I have one other interesting bit of trivia. Well, let's hear it. Um, do you remember the uh, the little kid, little kid Elvis that was singing? I did. Yeah, they you know they did a lot of work uh, plugging his voice in over that. You could, yeah, <laughs> didn't match. Do you know who it was? No, who was it? Bruno Mars. No kidding. Nope. seven year old oh. Bruno Mars. Yeah, that's a great little piece of trivia. Yeah, I I literally just watched that. I literally <laughs> just watched this movie this morning. And I was, um, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't get bored, really. A couple times, maybe, uh, in, in the second act. But I, I really thought that it flowed well. Um, I was into Cage's character. Uh, I was into Sarah Jessica Parker's character. She is, she is looking good in this movie. I have to admit, all of her um, outfits and everything are just very striking. And I, I felt like she played that role very well, too. It was so believable uh, for someone to be in that situation. Maybe in, in context of the tone of the movie, you know what I mean? Maybe not necessarily um, today. Someone may not. You know what I mean? Like, like agreeing to go to Hawaii to be with this guy for a weekend or whatever. It's uh, I don't know if uh, that's something that that's totally believable but she made it seem believable to me because i i the 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 uh, chemistry between she and cage was done pretty well yeah um you know i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know they don't know man i don't know man i don't know nick's performance we'll talk about nick's performance i i, I liked it pretty solid there's some good kind of semi cage outs. There's a nice it's almost one. Almost as good as Family Man. Yeah, yeah. Again, I liked the one with Ben Stein in the airport terminal. It's pretty funny. He loses his shit. I love when Nick Cage uh, takes Pat Morita or, or Pat Morita. I, I don't remember exactly where they are. I think they're at the the one dude, the the crazy like hippie Hawaiian dude. They're at his place, and uh, Nick Cage tells Pat Morita, who was the taxi driver, um, that he left something in there, and the t- and he the, the taxi driver goes to retrieve it, and then Nick Cage steals the taxi. I liked it too, because when he got back to the hotel, the 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 valets were just like, "Oh yeah, I'll park that for you." That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Well, nice uh, taxi cab, bro. Yeah, we'll park it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Hmm. And I liked the, I just like the simple fact that this was, yes, it's a romantic comedy, but it's got that kind of adventurous touch to it because of all of the changing of locations and just mm-hmm. the, the, the big, um, <clears throat> all the sights and sounds of Vegas, of course, is a lot to take in. And I'm not into poker, but, um, you know, it, to make a Vegas movie with gambling in it, you know, it's for somebody not into poker to, to keep my attention, I think is something to be commended. And uh, what did you guys think of Nick's performance? Classic. Yeah? Worth yeah. it. You know, it's, <clears throat> it's maybe it's like once is enough, mm-hmm. but it's worth your time. Yeah. 
Can you guys hear me? Yeah, you sound great. You sound really great. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Sean, uh, what did you think of of uh, Honeymoon in Vegas? Uh, Not to put you I on don't the know. spot. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was okay. I mean. Sean. It was. Sean. Nick Cage was in it. Just want to remind you. He, he he had a couple, he had a couple okay cage outs. I mean, yeah, okay. You know, but bes- besides the, uh, you know, the 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 rapey overtones. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was kind of just a, you know, kind of a shallow comedy. Okay, I don't know. I'd, I just felt there wasn't really a lot of creativity there. there just wasn't really a lot to it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty predictable. It, it kind of sounds like your opinion of uh, Moonstruck. Would you say similar kind of reaction that you had? I, I thought Moonstruck was was a better film. Okay. It, this one kind of just seems like something you'd get in, in the in the dollar bin. <laughs> yeah. Blockbuster. I, I, yeah. I, I can agree with that. I it felt kind of like at times it felt like a TV movie to me. Yeah. Okay. It kind of just felt like they were, you know, I mean, Cage and Mm -hmm. you know Sarah Jessica Parker. They they were both pretty pretty popular at the time. Yeah. She must work out. I tell you what. I tell you what. The. the definition in her back, I thought, was impressive. When she wore a couple of dresses that showed the, her back, I thought, "Wow, she is, she's kind of ripped." She's ripped in real she life. She gonna be, yeah. She gonna be a She-Hulk. <laughs> God, that would be awesome. That would be so <laughs> awesome. Uh, Steve, so I, I just want to I'm not know. sure if it's the movie, but I think it might be. There's a movie called Indecent Proposal. That sounds familiar. With, uh, Robert Redford, Demi Moore, mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson. I think that might be the one I'm thinking of. <sighs> and it was 1993. I don't know. And, and the, the script or the, the synopsis sounds like almost identical mm-hmm. with the exception of he's a real estate broker. Okay. And building their dream house, mm-hmm. and then the recession hits, so uh-huh. they go to Vegas to try to make the money back, and he ends up losing it all, and basically offers up his wife for a night. Man, what a gentleman! I mean, if yeah. any if anyone says that you wouldn't do that with your wife, then I then you're lying, because <laughs> you haven't been there, you haven't been to Vegas. And lost. You don't know what it's like. No, you don't. It's not. It's not your place to judge, guys. I did want to know, Steve was because uh, I know Steve. You go there um, to Vegas once in a while, hunting people. You try to mm-hmm. snare them mm-hmm. to come up in the hotel room and stuff. Uh, was was it pretty realistic? A realistic portrayal? Was it? Did it? Was it? Uh, you know, lifelike in terms of the kind of tricks that you use to get people up into your hotel room? Yeah, usually whenever I get there and they don't have my room 
um, set up for me. I usually just grab the first person that I can mm-hmm. by the dick, and usually <laughs> I get whatever I want from there. <laughs> I know. I just really want to go so I can collect those hooker you know, cards dude, that they pass out. Dude, that's... I'm sorry, Sean, for not reacting to what you just said, because I'm I'm thinking of what Steve just said. Uh, I said earlier, you know, there's some moments where you start to empathize with the card shark character. At least I mm-hmm. did. And then it's mm-hmm. like, I totally forgot he grabbed that guy's junk. How can you think <laughs> that this is a good guy at all? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I forgot about that. Right from the get-go, you get the, the the movie tells you that this dude is a bad dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Makes you wonder what his, his backstory is. How he got to be where he is. And and uh, I mean he can he can pick yeah, up. Yeah, because his kids seem relatively like they don't have any idea that he's yeah. a you know, True. shark or whatever. Man, people like that in real life are incredibly frightening. Yeah, truly. Oh, man. Um, so, Steve, what did you think of, of the film? Final I mean, thoughts. like I said, it, yeah, like I said, it was just, uh, for me, the script, it just seems like the same rom-com script that's been used in every other movie for the past 40 years. Now to find out that there was another movie at the same time that's damn near identical to it, with the exception of not being Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was some there was some good bits here and there. It was it was worth it was worth a watch. I wasn't it wasn't Cotton Club by any means. <laughs> uh, um, is there no news on Cotton Club? We should look that up for the next episode because they just released like a new restored version of Cotton Club that nice. Coppola has been working on forever. But sorry, I didn't I'm mean sure to cut you. I'm sure would love it. I, I should buy it for her <laughs> when it comes out. My final my final note when the movie was over was just meh. It yeah. was, yeah, there was nothing truly exciting for me. Okay. All right. Well, with that, any other final thoughts? Because I'm going straight through to the next movie. If not. Okay. The other wonderful Nicolas Cage movie we watched was the 1993 American buddy action comedy film, Amos and Andrew. Yeah, that was a, can you believe that's a genre? Buddy action comedy? <laughs> I mean, I believe it in Netflix because they have a genre for everything. But uh, Yeah, that would be like, uh, like Shanghai Noon, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Rush Hour, Shanghai Noon. Yeah, that, that was kind uh, of like the... Passion of the Christ 2, Crucify This. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that one, but uh, oh. I liked the first one, so I probably watched straight, that one too. Straight to Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Well, if we're going to talk about this one, then we might as well get into the Nick List. Nick Cage opens this movie doing a handstand in a jail cell. Awesome. I love seeing Nick Cage doing handstands. Why didn't we get that in color out of space? You bastards. Nick Cage is in jail 
for contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Uh-oh. Nick Cage takes Samuel L. Jackson hostage, mostly by accident, in return for Sammy L.'s life. He requests a helicopter and a million dollars, the two best prizes in the McDonald's Monopoly game. <laughs> Nick Cage smokes a joint and complains to Mr. Jackson, his old man never let him have sea monkeys. It's his metaphor for the family he could never have. I just thought that was funny. While holding three people captive in a home, Nick Cage orders a pizza so that he can seduce the blonde 17-year-old delivery driver and convince her to take his videotape to the press. Nick Cage tells Samuel L. Jackson he's the whitest damn black man he's ever met. That earns him a punch in the face, motherfucker. Nick Cage drops off Samuel L. Jackson in Boston to meet up with his wife, who is not white. Wink, wink. Then he drives off into the horizon, slamming to some Sir Mix-a-Lot. That was awesome. The ending? Truly. Amos, Anus, Amos and Andrew also um, Get Out 2, the prequel to Get Out. There was a lot of Get Out in this movie. Did you guys see Get mm -hmm. Out? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Some, uh, you know, it's interesting how timely the themes in this movie are to today. Because it deals, this is a movie that deals with uh, racial prejudice. That's that's kind of it. It's it's about racism. Police brutality as well. What's that? Uh, police brutality. Oh yeah, no. police brutality. Like, yeah, that scene where they just like he uh, he's like, let me just turn off my alarm. I can't hear you. And he just like points his key at the car, and then they all unload on him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Andrew Sterling has always dreamed of leaving the big city and escaping to a secluded island. No stress, no hassles, no problems. That is, until he met another man trying to escape. Andrew meets Amos. I have a shotgun. You have a frying pan. And in one wild night... A one million dollars! And, uh, and a helicopter! Put your weapon down. Let your hostage go. Two guys from two different worlds. Maybe you've heard of the Pulitzer Prize. You won that? I did. How much you win? In one fell swoop... ...became partners in crime. We're gangsters. Freeze! We're outlaws. Sounded like they were getting pretty chummy to me. Two people who came to an island for one reason. Get in! To escape. <laughs> Sit! Not you. Nicholas Cage. Contributing to the delinquency of a minor. What do you have to say about that? She looked 18. Samuel L. Jackson. Amos and Andrew, a comedy about two mismatched men trying to escape from each other. I, you know, I honestly believe that the setup to this movie is one of the funniest things I've seen. I thought mm -hmm. it was absolutely hilarious because basically what it is, is Samuel L. Jackson plays this uh, successful, relatively famous Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. He's a PhD professor who has bought this summer home on this island in Massachusetts and he, he's in the house 
he's in his new house, just, uh, you know, rearranging it, putting his stuff away. And the neighbors come over. I, I, I guess they don't know what's happening, that, that the um, previous tenants have moved out. And they see this strange black man in the house. Of course, they're white. And they automatically assume that it's a home invader. Uh, which I, I, side note, I think it's interesting. We say home invader now and we don't use the word burglar anymore, right? Isn't that interesting? I don't hear burglar often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they call the, they call the police and we get, um, oh my God, the dumbest police officers in the world nope. show up to, to handle this situation, including, uh, What's his name? The guy who plays Donnie. I recognize his face. He's, uh, what's his name in Lord of the Rings? Oh, uh, Worm, Worm, Worm Tongue. I think that's his name. Mm. Yeah, I just totally recognized him. But Donnie is this dumbass cop who, uh, he puts on, he puts dirt on his face because they're going on, they're going in on a night ops. And, um, yeah, he tries to be Rambo. He tries to sneak into the house and he inadvertently sets off the uh, the guy's car alarm. Samuel L. Jackson's car alarm goes off. And so, of course, he comes out to deactivate it. But when he comes out, he sees this cop pointing a gun at him and it's dark and he's behind a car. So he's not sure. He, he doesn't know it's a cop. But he, he raises the car alarm to turn off the alarm and the, and the cops think, they think it's a gun. So they just start blasting at him. And uh, yeah, it's just this whole movie is is built on miscommunication, mm-hmm. misunderstandings. Yeah, it's just a really funny setup. The the next part is this this bumbling idiotic police chief who's he's running for mayor, I believe. He wants to get reelected, so that that's his primary. Like he's, he's the he, he's the sheriff, right? He's the yeah sheriff right. of the island or something. He's up for for reelection for. For sheriff. Oh, is that it? I thought it was for. I uh, think so. Okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's his main motivation. No matter what yeah. happens in this movie, that's yeah. his primary goal is to, is to Chief, win. Chief Mario. Yeah, and that that Joshua guy Marks. that guy was genuinely funny. The uh, physical comedy and the writing of his character. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. But he soon finds out. Uh, well, Samuel L. Jackson calls does he call the police and says that somebody's breaking into his house no no because he doesn't he doesn't have cell phone service or he doesn't have phone service i think they they somehow get a hold of him okay yeah like they they get service into the house and they call because they think that the kids are still in Mm -hmm. the house like the the white couple that used to live there right they believe because because of this this couple the lawyer and his uh his hot wife who yeah the white power privilege couple yeah yeah they they when their guns at protesters say that they, they say that this guy has hostages so that's why they decide to to do this night ops thing and uh yeah eventually though the police chief uh he realizes who is in the house and it's not just an innocent black man it is a famous uh pulitzer prize winning black man which is going to damage his reputation so that's kind of the the setup then is uh 
Nick Cage plays this um, criminal who's been in jail for some time. And uh, Gold, Gold Tooth Nick. Gold Tooth Nick. Yeah, I love that Gold Tooth. And you know that Gold Tooth was his decision. Oh, yeah. He's like, Yo, give me a Gold Tooth. Man, he just looked, he looked like shit in this movie <laughs> for some reason. Because <laughs> he probably did it himself. Yeah, so he, he strikes a deal with uh, the sheriff that he's basically going to become the uh, home invader, you know, that doesn't exist. And he's going to get arrested and take the blame for it. And if all goes well, they're going to, they're, they're going to deliver him to Canada and he could be free, which is, that's what he wanted anyway. Right. Isn't that where he got, he got arrested on his way to Canada. Yeah. That's he, at least he thought he was on his way to Canada. Right. He's, he's a, yeah. he's a dumbass, and it's just, yeah. It's meant to illustrate that, you know, you have, yeah, I mean, you get it, right? You have the black guy who is an intellectual, very rich, successful, and still um, his, his life is in so much more danger than the freaking criminal who is the white guy who is an idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they were really, you know, I, I feel like I understood that. I was a big fan of the uh, pre, pre-Lakeview Terrace Samuel L. in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. also the, the pre-Bad Lieutenant Nick Cage, maybe? Yeah. No, that's not this one. That's <laughs> no. not, that That was a Honeymoon yeah. in Vegas is when I had that thought. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah. when his, his fiance I left I had a similar him. thought. I had a similar thought. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, but no, this is this is a hundred percent. This is pre Lake Butera's Samuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised at how uh, how mild bannered he was compared to most of the movies I've seen him in. Right? Yeah, he is. He is yeah. fairly mild mannered. He does get yeah. fired up a couple times because I mean yeah. his life is in danger, and they kind of strike up this this. Would you call it a friendship? Just this, I would call it a buddy action. <laughs> yeah, a buddy action movie relationship. Yeah, I guess. But you know, the, the the rest of this movie, though, what disappointed me was most of it's in the house. And then they go to the neighbor's house. And uh, uh, because Nicolas Cage's character, um, Amos, he's Amos Odell. He decides to play the part because he realizes that he's in the news. And he's been betrayed by the, the chief. So, um, yeah, he knows he's not going to get what he wants. So he kind of becomes that character. And yeah, a whole, whole lot of things happen in the kerfuffle. But uh, they go to the neighbor's house with the, the lawyer guy and, and the wife. And they become the new hostages as well. And I thought it was mm-hmm. funny, the part where uh, earlier when they go to the house, they find the sex toys upstairs in the bedroom mm-hmm. and Samuel Jackson has that line he's like white people <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was funny alone but then later when um, when the couple comes home they tie him up with the sex toys which was, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know gimmicky there's a lot of gimmicks gags in this one but uh, some of them work 
Was it just me or was one of the cops at one point wearing blackface? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that that was Donnie. Donnie. Oh, yeah, and... It's because it's a night op. You gotta... It's, right. It's a night op. Yeah, and that's kind of funny when they... Uh, the other police come and infiltrate the house and they find him in there because he went in there alone to try to save yeah. save the, the chief who'd been knocked out with the frying pan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the rest like of the, the movie, though, he... I don't know what, what else there is to say about it. Uh, oh, man, there's tons. Yeah, they plan to get yeah. oh, Well, then tell me, Steve. Well, Tell no, me. I mean, I love like with like the uh, when the when he, when the sheriff starts realizing that he made a mistake, right? Oh, he goes yeah. and he takes the he takes the tape back from him and goes, "I need I need the tape from the reporter that uh-huh. was the uh, was like a local freelance reporter." Yeah, that was kind of like covering the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did he say? He's the the reporter says, "What about the First Amendment?" Fuck the First Amendment. Yeah, that's that's, that's right. one of my favorite parts. Yeah, yeah, that was really yeah. funny. I was loving the movie at that yeah. point, but I felt yeah. it, it just it started to lose its started to lose its fire when uh, after that actually actually it started to lose its fire for me when Nick Cage's character became more of a central focus. To be honest, really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost, I almost feel like Samuel Jackson's character was like by far the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cage kind of seemed like he was a secondary character. I, he just had, he just had so many moments though throughout the whole thing. I mean, mm-hmm. the uh, was it the the um, Toby from the Office, the negotiator? Oh yeah, that character. Yeah. <laughs> well, but remind me though, what does he say to Nick? He only talks to Nick for like a really short period of time. After yeah. that, he just sits up, curled up in the car, yeah. just talking to himself. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he thinks he thinks he's talking to Nick, but the radio yeah. is actually in the room with the police chief who's tied yeah. up, listening yeah. to this this monologue of this about this guy's life and his issues that he's dealt with. Yeah. That was funny. I liked that funny stuff. I didn't, but I just felt like the balance was a little off with the gags and then the, uh, you know, more serious racial messaging in it. But I think that's what made it, that's what made it interesting is that Uh like the whole, throughout the whole movie, like there's this obvious and like serious undertone of the racial injustice and, and, and they keep, bringing that back up but the whole time nick is just kind of like dude this is this is how things are like uh-huh stop acting like it's supposed to be different this is how things are like stand up and actually face it stop mm. you know pretending like because you have money that you're above any of this shit yeah like right he also tells him that he's um he's a black man trying to be white the whitest black yeah. man he's ever met yeah. Yeah, and he assumed, which I think is the whole the whole point that Nick's like pushing through that that the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's kind of unfair because Samuel Jackson is saying, "But you don't know me. You really don't know me." No. 
Because That's remember that he talks about his wife. He says you, you're probably married to a white woman, and mm-hmm. in the end, you find out it's not true. Yeah. So until until he moves to Lake Terrace. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah one one of the overarching themes is uh, what what is the word I'm I'm looking for um, misinterpretation stereotyping from all yeah. levels. All these characters yeah. are, are stereotyping each other mm-hmm. and are somewhat stereotyped the way they're written. Mm-hmm. So Nick Cage's character, Amos, um, he's just, he's kind of a shitty guy. He's a criminal who likes young girls. And uh, there's probably not a whole lot of morality in there, but he accepts it. He doesn't put on any airs about it. And then Samuel Jackson is a successful black man who it appears like is he's intentionally designed his life to fit within the quote-unquote white man's world. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of discussion there. That's why I say it reminded me of Get Out. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Key and Peele, was it Jordan Peele? I think Jordan Peele wrote Get Out. That is true. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they got some inspiration from this story. But uh, let's see. How does it all pan out? How does it all pan out? The MacGuffin of the movie, you see, is this tape that, that uh, those freelance newscasters make of the couple mentioned before, the Gilmans, where they talk about uh, how there's this, this black guy in this house and he's a burglar. And uh, just, yeah, saying not so nice things when later it's discovered that it's actually his house. So this tape then will, it, it will undo the uh, false reality that the police chief is trying to create in order to save his ass. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick Cage happens to get the tape and then gives it to the pizza girl and asks her to deliver it to the press so of course she delivers it right back to the to the freelancers and so that you know the the real story can um come out and in in the midst of all this happening there's this big mob I mean I say mob um intentionally because that's how I they're portrayed you know they have they have torches and they're you know what I mean there's, mm-hmm. It's funny because it's a black mob, but they're and and it's they have this kind of Martin Luther King esque leader, but the way they're marching actually kind of looks like the KKK or something. Did did you catch that? Do you agree with that or not? Maybe you don't, but I felt like it's, that was uh, intentional. It, it's Antifa. It's Antifa. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's a terrorist organization. And it's funny, too, because the guy, the, the their leader hates the liberals that live there. Yeah. He goes on and on about the liberals on the island. I told you about those liberals. Um, but I think it was intentional for them to kind of look like the KKK with these these uh, torches and we're not going to stand it. And we, we uh, want um, Andrew. And in that whole scene, uh, they accidentally burn the burn his house down Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so 
And uh, Samuel L. Jackson, he's freaking running from bloodhounds that are after him and then discovers his his friggin' house is burned down. So what does he have left to do? He he escapes with, with Amos. And, uh, yeah, they leave the island. And Amos meets up with his wife. I'm sorry, Andrew meets up with his wife, and Amos then continues on, drives away. Uh, to, he, he goes on to Canada, which was what he wanted. And then up that he was headed the wrong direction. And then yeah, he turns and goes in the other direction, which yeah. I don't I don't understand the point of that. But well, because that was a, a recurring theme as well that he's just got really bad sense of direction. Oh, that's why. Thank you, yeah. Steve. Yeah, I didn't catch on yeah. to that. Okay, because yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why they kept getting lost and stuck in different houses because he didn't really know what was going on at any point. Oh yeah, yeah, because he's a dumbass. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. was uh, I was listening to the song at the end of the movie. That's where my mind yeah. was. Yeah, I was trying to figure Same. out who was rapping in it. I had to look it up. It was Sir Mix-a-Lot. I was recording because so Ken watched most of that movie with me, and I was recording because as soon as the rap part started coming on, he started, yeah. like, hopping to the beat. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Amos so, and Andrew. I can I just say I thought this was uh, I didn't know anything about it. I knew Nick Cage mm-hmm. and Samuel L. Jackson were in it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought it was a buddy cop movie. I thought the two of them mm-hmm. were going to be cops. So it was kind of a nice surprise for me to find out that it wasn't that at all. In fact, it was kind of a um, anti-cop in a way, or making fun mm-hmm. of police. Fuck the police. So I'm going to say one thing that I think um, I'm not entirely certain that this movie was was really, really supposed to be um, progressive. This is the movie that, that even the title, even the characters, Amos and Andrew. Yeah. So from the 1920s to the 1960s, there was a really popular radio series called Amos and Andy. Yeah. Um, that was attacked by the NA, or NAACP, a bunch of other things about racist caricatures in the black community uh-huh. um, before it was finally taken down. Okay. And so that's where the, the name came from. That's why, you know, Sam, Sammy tells him, like, never, you know, never call us Amos and Andrew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's because of the reference back to that uh, Amos and Andy mm-hmm. series. So all the way up to like the the title of the show, everything is really just supposed to be strongly portraying the, the racial injustice and the um, you know the marches are supposed to be exactly that of just failed attempts. As soon as something happens, it's you know jump in there, do something, but not really knowing what they're what they're doing. Uh huh. Um, what what about the part where Cage uh, hits on some girl and then finds out that? She's seventeen, and then all, and then continues to hit on her. Well, that's why he's in the, jail. That's yeah. The idea is to, is really to prove to to further the point <laughs> mm-hmm. that you know race doesn't have anything to do with being a criminal, being a bad person, right? You know that even though Nick is is doing the right thing, he's still a fucking criminal. He's still a fucking creep. Yeah. Right. But nobody but nobody looks down on him because of it because he's mm-hmm. white. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Did did you notice the the cameo from Jeffrey Epstein in the 
No. No. Please tell me. <laughs> You're gonna start gotta it. find it. Gotta, gotta find, find it. it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a assistant executive producer. Uh-huh. Was that his island? He probably owned the island where it was filmed. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll we'll never know. Mm. Hey, Steve, I skipped your character comparisons. Do you want to get that in now? Um, I pretty much got them all in in the midst of everything else. Okay. Um. Yeah, I I didn't really have any any good characters. Just had you know mm. gold. Goldtooth Nick, the pre-Lakeview Terrace Samuel. Yeah. White power privileged couple. You're uh, gotcha. Toby. Toby from the office negotiator and uh, <laughs> the the police chief, Mario Grouch, Mario Groucho Marx. Super Mario Groucho Marx. Marx guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the reason why Samuel was so so tame in this movie it was because it was before he started watching hentai <laughs> is that true sean so uh in a video uh from wired.com samuel jackson answers some of the most popular google results about himself mm-hmm. and one of them is, does Samuel Jackson like anime? And his quote is, yes, I do. Hentai too. Does Samuel L. Jackson like anime? Yes, I do. Hentai too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. You, you said that? Yep. That is the exact quote. <laughs> That's awesome. That is funny. <laughs> I can't confirm this, but but mm-hmm. I think that whole thing started from uh, there was some video where he was doing like a screen share or something, and supposedly like one of his tabs on his computer was of hentai. Well, this is the internet, Sean. So if we want it to be true, we can make it true. That's it's true. already true. It's already true. Yeah. Good. So tell me what you guys thought of Amos and Andrew. Tell me, tell me. It was entertaining. Mm-hmm. You would I mean, I really, I really didn't think that either of these movies were, were very substantial. I mean, neither of them are going to win an Academy Award or anything, but, I mean, I thought, mm-hmm. you know, out of the two, I thought this one had the, the more interesting premise and mm-hmm. was just funnier overall. Yeah. What about you, Matt? What did you think? Oh, shit. Steve, what's your opinion? Honestly, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I figured you would. Yeah, I it's it's probably. I think I've enjoyed that movie more than more than most of the rest we've watched lately. Yeah, I'll say it was it was a pleasant surprise compared to the more recent movies we've seen. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this this is the movie that I was that I've been waiting for. This is what I wanted Time to Kill to be, honestly. <laughs> yeah. 
Like I was really when I watched Time to Kill, I mm-hmm. had this like I had this this vision of what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And after talking to you guys, realized that it was really just me trying to force it into that movie. Uh-huh. That I wanted something that was like ridiculous, but but progressive, and, uh-huh. and like trying to make trying to take some of the real issues that people are dealing with and putting them in a way that people can kind of digest them and, I see. and understand them. And, and I, I wanted that to be time to kill and it very clearly was not, <laughs> but I think they really did it, it well in mm-hmm. this. I think it really, it took a, a comical, stupid kind of approach, but yeah. um, pointed out some, some real issues and right. in a way that wasn't too difficult to digest. Mm-hmm. What did you think specifically? That, Go ahead, Sean. With that being said, we'd like to announce Steve is going to be donating $10,000 to the NAACP. Great. Steve, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Great. I guess we're really going to need sponsors now for Steve. That's right. So, Steve, you really enjoyed it. What did you think about Nick's performance specifically? His character, his approach to the character. I think I think that he played a good partnership with with Samuel in this because he was supposed to be the the counterbalance to the stereotypes that that are commonly associated with blacks of being criminals, of being, you know, just all around bad and so really kind of brought to life a lot of the things that I think his character is supposed to do mm-hmm. um, of I mean the dumbass thing I think is really just Nick being an actor um, and I think that was kind of his role in it of just act like an idiot but I think from from the script standpoint it was very much supposed to be you know uh, to be somewhat lecherous to be somewhat kind, cunning and, and conniving mm-hmm. Um but I think the way that Nick took it to be more of a dumbass and to to jump into some of the other things, um, and the the nonstop fucking grins, um, I I think he did a good job of just taking it to. He reminds me of every street criminal that I've ever known. Have you known a lot of street criminals? A, a handful. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know you. any like I don't know any like true like you know, mm-hmm. bad guys, but I know plenty of people that are just, you know, just street criminals, people yeah. that are petty know, crimes. Lickers and yeah, petty crimes kind of thing. And yeah. I think that he embodies a petty criminal okay. really well. All right. um, I think he overplayed the dumbass thing just a little bit, but uh, for right. a comical standpoint, it was good. Cool, cool. Did I already share my thoughts? I think I think in the future what we should do is for the final thoughts, we should just mix that in with the round table because we're going to talk about uh, Nick Cage's, what we think of the movie and Nick Cage's role in it anyway. So l- let me know if you think that's a good idea or not later. Yeah. If you want. But let's just, let's just start the round table then because um, I feel like I already have a sense of, of the, the movies that you guys chose. And uh, unfortunately, Matt isn't here now, so this might be interesting. But uh, yeah, I I'm going with honeymoon in Vegas, guys. Does that piss you off? 
A little bit. No. No. Oh, that's too bad. I, I mean, I, I guess I guess you're just racist. Yeah. Probably. Mm -hmm. Probably. Uh, no, I mean. Why? Why? I liked. I liked what the, what they were going for in uh, Amos and Andrew, and I watched that one first. First act of that movie is absolutely hilarious. I couldn't believe how timely it was, as I said before, with the whole racial part of it and the police brutality and using comedy to kind of satirize that reality. I did like it. I just felt like when um, Nick's character came to be more of the focus that it just lost some of its steam and some of the gags really stopped working for me and I got bored a little bit and it just, I just felt like it dragged and then the ending didn't go in the direction that, that I had hoped it would go which is where I, I see I thought that these two were going to meet up and then go set off on some kind of adventure you know buddy guys out on the road who knows what they get into the cops are chasing them from locale to locale. And yeah, it was just, I do think it's a good movie. I do recommend it. I don't think that either of these movies, like you said, Sean, is one of Nick Cage's finest. And they're not among the best, but they are totally, this one is something different, totally different than um, we've seen. And Samuel L. Jackson was great. He played that role excellently. Yeah, I... I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is because a lot of it's just in the dark house and I'm just, it just stopped being that funny to me. Yeah. Um, but go ahead. But why? But why Vegas? But, but why Vegas? I was just more, I liked the, the faster pace. I liked the, the, the romantic aspect of it. I just felt like I really wanted to save Sarah Jessica Parker too. I didn't want her to get raped by that guy. <laughs> you wanted her to get raped by Cage. Yeah. I didn't say that either. But, uh, I was actually, I mean, I think that's one of the things I was a little disappointed with when it came to Honeymoon in Vegas is mm -hmm. there, there, there was, there was no exposure. Okay. And there was no forced sex. Oh, well then, yeah, you, you would be disappointed. There was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've, we've set a pretty strong precedent for both of those things to be in any sort of a romance movie. And <laughs> yeah, I just, I wasn't feeling, I, I felt like the romance was faked because it wasn't there. Right. But this was more of, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we summed it up at the end of the last episode. This, this was PG 13, Steve. Yeah. But if she doesn't want it, mm -hmm. do it anyways. Yeah. And if she still doesn't listen, that's, that's, kill her. Again, that's why I thought Nick would have wanted to be the Tommy character. The <laughs> other character. That's probably what... Uh, they probably shot the entire movie that way and they couldn't get him to stop trying to rape her, so they had to reverse the roles. <laughs> right on. Yeah. <clears throat> I can't say that it's a better movie. I can't. I can just say that it kept my attention better. I liked how fa how fast it was moving and the the frenetic energy that Nick Cage brought to that role compared to his one in the other one where I felt like he was just kind of there. And in this one, he's really, really desperately after something. And I like seeing him 
uh, like that in those kinds of roles. And then the ending, the ending is silly. I admit a lot of things in this movie are silly, but I just, I don't know. I, it worked. I felt like, um, that's probably how this movie started is somebody watched one of these Elvis parachuting events and thought, you know, what would make a good story if one of these Elvish, Elvish, <laughs> if one of these Elvis uh, paratroopers, you know, landed and fell in love with one of these dancers, let's make a romance out of that. And, you know, we got honeymoon in Vegas. Yeah. I don't really have a great argument, but that's all I got. They're, they're both, if I really had to choose one, I would have to kind of struggle which one to watch because they're kind of on the same wavelength of quality for me, but I'm really going just mainly off of my overall enjoyment and then Nick Cage's range. But there are things in um, Amos and Andrew that I liked more for sure. I mean, I really thought that the, the setup in that movie is one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. But we're not going to know. We're, who knows? Is it going to be a tie? Is it going to... Am I going to get beat here? <sighs> we don't know. I mean, I've already made it pretty clear on, on, on my side. I'm, I'm definitely on the uh, Amos and Andrews side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess if I got to give in, I will. But uh, for now, you know, I can't really say there's a winner, right? Should I just say there's a winner? I don't know, Sean, Sean? Yeah, what do you think, Sean? You know, Reese, your argument kind of swayed me a little bit. Oh, boy. Then, then uh, we have to have Matt. Right now. No, let's just end this right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought you made some really good points that, uh, you know, technically, I think that Honeymoon in Vegas might have been the better film. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I really, I did feel that, um, you know, like Amos and Andrew kind of loses steam halfway through mm-hmm. before the movie even really gets started. Yeah. That's how I, I mean, feel. really the, the pacing is just kind of off. I don't know, man. Think about it. Think carefully because yeah. uh, Steve may not appreciate that. You may get really pissed off. Motherfucker. And start throwing stuff. Steve is, is very prone to cage outs. Yeah. What 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 is uh, the policy for if we have a tie? Fuck the First Amendment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm just honestly... If, uh, I don't know, we'll just have to have an extended discussion. If it's two on two, I think we just should talk about it and choose one. And I'm willing to give up Honeymoon in Vegas because, like, seriously, look at it. Neither of these films is going to be a winner in the end. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of just like, the baby awards were given out right here. So if I have to say Miss and Andrew, that's fine with me. In fact, maybe I just maybe I should as kind of a a middle finger to Matt who <laughs> fell asleep and 
<laughs> yeah. Now we'll never we'll never know what his pick was. I just I feel sorry for the honeymoon in Vegas people out there like me, who um, they they'll have no chance now for their movie to go up in the in the finals. But uh, we can blame Matt. Let's just you just want to do that. We'll just we'll make it Amos and Andrew, or is it Amos and Andy or Andrew? It is Andrew. Andrew. Why do I want to yeah. say Andy? Andy Dick. And Andy. Amos and Andy is the is the radio show. That's that that's why. Thank yeah, you. Named after. Yeah. Let's just go with it, and then if people get upset, then we'll blame Matt, and Matt will he'll just take the heat on this. No, you fucked so. up. <laughs> you done, done clucked up. All right, I'm fine with it. Uh, Anus and and Amos and Andrew is going to be our winner. Wasn't what I chose, but I, you know, I, I, I'm going to save my, I'm going to save my uh, punches for the finale. So let's let's just call it let's call it a day. Amos and Andrew is our winner. Congratulations, great job, Samuel L. Jackson. You beat the shit out of Sarah Jessica Parker. Great. She will have no With a chance now. Giant anime tentacle. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and thanks for that, Matt. Yeah. Um, hope hope he's all right. We should actually probably try to get in touch with him after this. Um, but yeah, w- what's coming up next? Then it's going to be our cage fight. Um, we may have a preliminary broadcast of discussion where we choose what movies are actually going to be in the finals because it's unrealistic, I think, for us all. To, um, to to represent all of them. Um, yeah, equally. So, yeah, stay in tune. Stay in tune. Stay in touch with us for more updates on that. You'll find updates on our Facebook, um, also our website, nickcagefight.com. Um, and our podcast is everywhere. Everywhere podcasts are permitted. Spotify, uh, Apple, it's called Apple Podcasts now, I think. Uh, yeah. We're everywhere, so keep listening and definitely, definitely stay tuned for the season finale cage fight. This is going to be the big one. We're going to have our next birdie by the end of the next official late night cage fight episode. So I thank you guys for joining me. Uh, it was a, a great discussion once again. We thank Nicholas Cage for all the wonderful work he's done over the years and looking forward to more, especially the uh, unbearable weight of uh what is it inoperable talent insufferable talent it's some adjective i can never remember (laughs) malignant talent right yeah yeah the i just i just remember the first part of that so but i'm still totally pumped still gonna buy the t-shirt yeah so thank you guys hope you had fun i had fun i had fun all right take it easy till next time i'm out Keep it sleazy. Ooh.